Good morning. My name is Sanju, and today I have a great privilege to speak to you from Psalm 1. As you know, there are different types of psalms. Uh, there are wisdom psalms, uh, praise psalms, lament psalms. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm, and it's quite unique in a sense. It acts as a gateway to the rest of the psalms. Let's read Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm gives a clear distinction between the righteous and the wicked. It declares the blessedness of the righteous and the misery and the future of the wicked. As I was meditating on Psalm 1 as my preparation for this talk, the word blessed really popped out to me. It seems to me Psalmist is saying it's a great big deal for the believers. And I'll tell you why. Note the first word of Psalm 1 that is blessed, which is also the way Jesus began his first recorded sermon, if you like, in Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes, which is the Latin word for blessed or, or supremely happy. To me, God really wants to bless us. And he warns us to avoid ungodliness, but pursue godliness because the rivers of life only flows from his throne. So do you want this blessed life? I hope your answer is yes. Let's explore. Bible dictionary says the English word blessedness, the spiritual state of being blessed, is derived from the root word for blood and suggests something set aside through sacrifice and in the Bible through Christ's sacrificial death for sins. I once heard this preacher describe the state of blessedness. It's like a golden sphere around us into which are poured all of infinite God's infinite grace, gifts and goodness. This is the atmosphere of Christ followers. It is the climate of our souls. It means the disciples of Jesus are really privileged people and they are really in an amazing place in God's presence where there is fullness of life, joy, peace and hope for the present as well as for the future. Let me share with you a few verses that have packed with blessed kind of life that has been described. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Next two verses, I'm not going to read it out for the sake of time, but I'll mention it. Psalm 23, John chapter 10, verse 10. This blessed life is offered to us all. Do you want to grow into this blessed life? Well, if you do, listen up. In Psalm 1, the kind of person God blesses are seen in, in the four different emphases. Number one, our separation. Number two, our meditation. Number three, our maturation. Number four, our destination. Our separation. Verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, God is saying, if you really want to be blessed, you must separate yourself from the ways of ungodliness, but pursue godliness in an ungodly world, in your attitudes, in your action. I want to share with you two very brief stories from the Bible as an example to help us understand why it is important to push back on godliness because they are barriers to the life of blessedness. First one, the story of Lot. You can read this story in uh, Genesis chapter 13 verse 11 to 13. This is an example of a man who had flirted with evil and got lost. Lot walked towards the ungodly and took his stand among the sinners and in the end was sitting at the city gate with the evil. Let's look at our second story. Now this is the opposite of Lot's example. It's Joseph, the righteous man. And you can look at this story in Genesis chapter 39 verse 1 to 12. In Joseph's case, he repelled many temptations that were thrown at him. He was not mainly worried about his losing his job, his money, or some sexual pleasure. He refused to lose God. God was too precious for him, and his promises too great for Joseph to lie with somebody else's wife. Joseph refused to allow compromise to take its toll, when, even when Potiphar's wife kept coming after him. We all face temptation in this life. For some of us, it might be the consumption of excessive amounts of alcohol drinks. For others, it's the addiction of social media, your phones. And for others, pornography, judgmentalism, greed, laziness, people pleases, rather than God. All of this temptation we face are counterfeit gods. They make a wonderful false promise of satisfaction in life but truth be told none of, none of these will leave us feeling satisfied and if you really desire the life of blessedness which god in his mercy freely offers to us then we must 
push back the darkness. Otherwise, it will colonize us. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is a wonderful promise to us. And this leads to my second point, our meditation. Here, the psalmist shows us how godly person submits to the guidance of the word of God. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's quite clear that God wants us to delight in and to meditate on his word day and night. He doesn't just simply want us to be familiar with the Bible not, and not just hear him, but to reflect on what he says. And God says there is a blessing that comes from doing so. So what exactly is Christian meditation? Christian meditation is not like a secular meditation, doing nothing and being tuned into your own mind at the same time. Whereas Christian meditation is feeding our, feeding our minds on the words of God with the intention to connect with God. Christian meditation is not just the means uh, of getting close to God. It does more than that. Meditating on God's word will always lead to character growth, to fruit. Meditating on God's word will always lead to depth and stability. In verse 3, Psalmist points out, disciples who meditate shall be like tree that is planted by the streams of water. So as you fix your mind on the word of God, your heart will progressively be transformed into a heart of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The point of the psalm is to say that when you experience the word of God like that, as so delightful, as so satisfying, it captures your mind, your heart, day and night and prevents you from the ways of ungodliness. And when you experience the word like that, you are blessed. You are supremely happy. Meditation is really a marvelous means of God's grace in Christian life. Paul, Paul encourages us, train yourself, train yourself for godliness. And First Timothy, uh, chapter four, verse seven. So discipline yourself for growth. Take regular action to get more of God in your mind, and your heart and echo his ways in your life, which will make you increasingly like him. I think meditation is really important. It's really important to cultivate this, uh, this gift. Our lives are awfully distracted. We live in a crazy, busy, hectic, noisy world. Every day we are bombarded with the ideas of worldliness. If it helps, may I, may I suggest a few practical suggestions on how to meditate. So if possible, uh, find a consistent time, place and plan. Read the scriptures prayfully. 
Reread them. Read with a pen in your hand. Memorize texts that you read. Read with others in your community, and talk about what you see. Study, sorry, study the Bible with good commentary if possible. Meditation is a powerful habit of pondering, personalizing, and practicing Scripture. And those are the habits that lead、uh, lead to my next point. Our maturation. Verse three. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Doctor Martin Lloyd Jones says, "A Christian is the work of God, and through the work of Holy Spirit in conviction, revelation." Repentance and conversion—it's God's doing. One can only experience the new birth into a new life as the result of the operation of the Holy Spirit. Only then one will experience the happiness God intended for us to know in Him. The true Christian has no need to fear whatever comes in life. The true Christian is like a tree. God is the planter of the tree. He selects the location of the tree so that the tree will bear good fruit in its season without withering. So in verse three, note the vital to the flourishing of the tree. It's meditation. It's meditating frequently on God's word to nourish faith. If that condition is not met, the tree's roots won't tap into the stream. And the trees should not expect to harvest fruit in its season, or have healthy leaves. Jesus essentially says the same thing in chapter fifteen, John chapter fifteen, verse four to five. Abide in me, and I in you. And the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. Whoever abides in in sorry in me, and I in him, he he it is that bears fruit much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice what is vital to the flourishing of the branch, the branch's continual attachment to the vine. If that condition is not met, the branch will not be able to bear fruit. And will wither. This is a recurring theme in the Bible. In Jeremiah chapter seventeen, verse seven to eight, says, "The blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will they will be like trees planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit." As you let gospel guide your life and be shaped by the scriptures, relying upon on the Holy Spirit and exercising in faith, you will be a fruitful person, and your leaf won't wither. Even during the time of no rain or extreme temperatures, other trees that are not planted by streams 
are withering and dying. But in spite all of the heat and drought, your leaf remains green. Because submitting to God is like being planted by a streams of water. So let your root go down into Jesus. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth and be mature. God wants this for you. That leads to my final point, our destination. Let's read verse 4 to 6. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked of someone are those who seek independence from God. Those who have only a human or earthly perspective. Those who live according to the world's standard and not God's. Someone helps us to see things in ultimate perspective. The prosperity of the wicked is fleeting for they are like chaff blown away by the wind. The alternative is a life of dependent delight in godly instruction. The righteous recognize the poverty of the world's wisdom and values and, and so place their lives around God's, God's word. This is the life of faith that leads to blessedness, fruitfulness and fellowship with God now and forever. Here in Psalm 1, we, we are told that God watches over the ways of righteous, but those on the path of the wicked will perish. Which path are you on? In conclusion, I want to urge you to choose the life of blessedness or righteous or righteousness separating yourself from ungodly things meditating on god's word and growing in maturation in in order to reach our destination where we do not perish with evil the wicked but depend fully on god for our complete satisfaction god bless you